0: Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Let's return to our series through the book of Genesis. This is our Sunday morning series. We're going verse by verse. And we've already been six weeks in this chapter. Too much to try to recap at this point. But remember there has been a complete breakdown in the pre-world, pre-flood world. The society is filled with violence. The earth is filled with corruption. And the home has fallen apart because of poor marriage decisions. And it's gone so far that God has now decided the time has come to destroy the earth with a flood and everything that has the breath of life is going to die. And That's how bad it has gotten. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. And God told Noah, make thee an ark. God gave the plan and all Noah had to do was follow God's plan. And we talked last time about how the ark is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and our salvation. I won't take the time to go over all of that again, but God, listen, He has made the way of salvation so simple. All we have to do is follow His plan. It is so simple a child can understand. Hallelujah. And God has has given the plan. We don't need to try to add to it. We don't need to try to take away from it. We just take God at His word and we follow what He says. Remember, there's only one door into the ark. There's only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the door. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, he said in John 14, 6. And so Jesus is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And so the Bible is so very clear that it's hard to understand how we have arrived into the denominational chaos that we see in our day. It's hard to understand how there's so many different teachings out there when there's one word of God. Hey, I don't understand how a church can say you've got to speak in tongues. I don't understand how a church says you have to work your way. I I don't understand that. I don't understand how a church can say you've got to be baptized. The Bible is clear that Christ is the way of salvation. And why people are adding to it, I don't understand. And there's all these conflicting doctrines out there now to choose from. Just stay with the Word of God. Well, we'll begin this morning by picking up where we left off. God has given Noah the instructions for the ark. And now let's read verses 17 through 22. This is God speaking, And behold, I, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all the food that is eaten and thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now verse 18 here is such a great verse. You know, just for a second here, uh, look at verse 7. Notice how God said He would destroy man, He would destroy beast from the face of the earth, and then immediately uh, in verse 8 we read, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then likewise here in verse 17, God says uh, to Noah, I'm going to destroy everything where the breath of life uh, is, and everything that is in the earth shall die, but then immediately we read in verse 18, but with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark. And so we see once again the the marvelous and amazing grace of God. God has pronounced judgment, and yet we see his grace once again. All that are in the ark will live. All outside of the ark will die. But get this, God assures Noah. He gives him this plan, and understand the world that Noah's in. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But he, he gives Noah this plan, And then he's he's letting Noah know, you're going to be spared. And he says, but with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark. Now, there's generally um, three held opinions here of what is meant by God establishing his covenant with Noah. One is simply that this is God's way of stating his promise to preserve Noah and his family alive. Two is that this is a reference to the covenant that God establishes in chapter 9, that he's not going to destroy the world again with a worldwide flood. And then the third one is probably a more minority opinion, is that this is a a reference back to Genesis 3.15, when God promised the promise to arrive one day. And I don't think you're wrong if you hold any of those opinions. Amen? I know as an independent Baptist, we're supposed to you know, make everybody feel guilty if they don't believe like we do. But I don't care what opinion you have on that. Uh, I think it likely ties back to Genesis 3.15. That's my currently held opinion. Ask me next year, it might change. And so, um, in our King James Bible, the reason I say that is because there's a reason for these and ye's. Amen. Amen. For you's and these and thou's and all that behind. Um, you say, well, I don't understand all that. Let me just break it down for you real simple. If it begins with a T, it's singular. If it begins with a Y, it's plural. And so that's an easy way to remember it. And so here we see, but with thee will I establish my covenant. This is singular. God is speaking directly to Noah. Meanwhile, when you get to chapter 9, it's, it's never thee, but it's you. And it's, it's the, your descendants, and it's the creatures of the earth. It's, it's everybody there in, in chapter 9. And so this covenant here in chapter 6 is with thee. And when we consider the promise that God gave in Genesis 3.15 about the seed of the woman who would one day arrive and would, would bruise the head of Satan, um, we, we know that God, he keeps narrowing that down as you read your Bible. Amen. As you go through the Old Testament, you'll see that narrowed down. It, it, it begins with the seed of the woman. That's pretty generic. And then it is narrowed down to Seth and his line. And then I believe here it's being narrowed down to Noah and his lineage. And then it's... it's. Of course, that's pretty obvious. Amen. Everybody's going to be destroyed by Noah. So, check. Good study, Pastor. That's awesome. And, and so, after Noah, we keep reading and we find out that it, it gets narrowed down to Abraham. And then eventually it goes to the tribe of Judah and ultimately to the house of David. And so we have this Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant... And all of it points to the arrival of Christ. Don't ever forget that your Bible is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about the revelation of the Antichrist. All right, don't get on that soapbox. Focus. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And and that's what the Bible points us to. And so, uh, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, God said there's one coming. Uh, And and He's going to crush or or bruise the head of Satan. And, And so always remember what your Bible is. And and if people would understand what the Bible is, they wouldn't get so hung up on all these other topics that really have nothing to do with anything, but, you know, somebody clicked away on YouTube and thought, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Is that in your Bible? Well, that's my opinion on Genesis 6.18. You don't have to agree with me. Amen. So you don't have to come and tell me why I'm wrong. (laughs) Ultimately, why I say those things. So God goes on to tell Noah thou shalt come into the ark thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons wives with thee this is a great promise wouldn't you agree amen. listen y'all were dead in Sunday school Pastor DeGarmo's right and, and I learned from his last message he doesn't even say amen so if he's saying you're dead that's dead um, <clears throat> so for now on instead of saying that's enough to make a Presbyterian shout I'll say that's enough to make Pastor DeGarmo shout um, <laughs> All right. I guess you had to hear that message, but um, this is a great promise. Second Peter one four says, "Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped listen, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." Noah's living in a corrupt world, and he gets this exceeding great and precious promise from God. And it is through that promise that helps him to escape the corruption of the world. I'm getting ahead of myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 through verse 1 of chapter 7. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore... These promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so Noah here, living in a very corrupt world, has escaped um, that corruption, and he has stayed the course with God. Amen. Listen, the world was not his excuse on why he couldn't follow God. Amen, talk to me. He he wasn't looking at the world and saying, nobody else is living for God, so it's okay if I don't. He wasn't looking at the world and saying, well, this would be a lot easier if I didn't have to deal with all of those people. Listen, he's living righteously in an unrighteous world. And he has this exceeding great and precious promise. He came out from among them and he separated himself from the world. And through God's promise, he cleansed himself from the filthiness of the world and he was perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God promised Noah, thou shalt come into the ark. Can you imagine how precious that would be? You say, why is that so precious? Don't forget what God just said in verse 17. Everything's going to die. But you and your wife, your sons and their wives, you will come into the ark. Can you imagine what that did for him to help him in, in, in the world in which he lived? God's judgment is coming upon the whole earth and God reassures Noah. Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. (laughs) <laughs> Neither the Son of Man that He should repent. He has said, and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken, and shall He not make it good? Second Timothy 2.13 says, God cannot deny Himself. Titus uh, 1 verse 2 says, God cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18 says, it is impossible for God to lie. And, and this is what I want you to get. Once we grab a hold of God's promises that are found in His Word, as we grab hold of those by faith that ought to bring us the peace, the comfort, the courage, the strength to continue on for God in a sinful world. I got newsflash for you, it's not getting any better. Man, I thought we were going to have a message of hope. You do. It is the exceeding great and precious promises. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. And so it is going to get worse. The Bible says so. And and, and we understand that. And I'm I'm praying for revival, and I hope you are. But listen, Noah's world is under the sentence of God's global judgment, and our world currently sits under the sentence of God's global judgment. It's It's going to happen again, but this time by fire. And so what should keep us faithful is God's precious promises. Place yourself in Noah's situation. The world is filled with violence and it's entirely corrupt. None are living for God except Noah and his family. We don't know how many were on the earth. There are speculations that it was about where we're at now. And can you imagine, out of the millions, possibly billions of people, that there's only one family living for God? a world so corrupt and so violent. And, and so here's Noah being told you're going to be spared. And, and Noah's going to be ridiculed. Go build a 450 long ark in your yard in the middle of the nation. What's building that for? Well, God said he's going to flood the earth. What's that, what's that going to do for you? It's just a big old box. i right, float. Can you imagine the ridicule? Can you imagine how he was treated by those around him? Improbably, mercilessly. mercilessly? Uh, because he obeyed God. But Noah has God's word. He has God's promise, and that is keeping him zeroed in on what God has called him to do. And when you learn to take God at His word, or God who cannot lie, it keeps you focused. It keeps you focused because you have the promise of God's Word. You understand this morning, the Lord has promised to meet your need. Yeah, that's right. what the Bible says. Take no thought for your life. Don't worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. I'm going to take care of that for you, the Lord says. Now, I wouldn't mind it to be, you know, a fairly nice suit, not the old 70s-looking gigantic collar, but if that's how He chooses to provide, amen, we'll come up here and we'll just be vintage with a vision, amen? We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but, so, so here's... He's being ridiculed for obeying God. We, we can imagine that. Uh, and, and yet he's got the promise. We have the promise of God. Hey, hey, listen. God's promised to hear our prayers as long as you don't regard iniquity in your heart. God says, I, I hear your prayers. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Amen. Amen. Some of you just need to get a hold of that promise right there. He's promised to bless us. He's promised to prepare a place for us. He's promised to come again. He's promised he's going to reward his servants for their faithfulness. Amen. And it doesn't matter how corrupt the world gets. It doesn't matter how much we get ridiculed. It doesn't matter how ridiculous we may look to the world. But we stay with it because we have exceeding great and precious promises of God that keep us focused on eternity and the glory of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So here's what we need to do. We need to be in God's word. Because the promises aren't just going to immediately jump in your head. God expects you to get into His Word, to learn His promises. Because I promise you this, your faith will be tried. It may be to a different degree for everybody, but your faith will be tried at some point. And if you don't have those promises of God, you're going to find yourself in a bad starting point. And, and so we go to the Word of God and we get these promises. And, and if we don't have these promises, if we don't have faith in these promises, then we will fail in the day of adversity. Just look around how many people have come and gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A- and I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying. Proverbs 24.10 If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Meanwhile, in Psalm 28 it says, Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. There's obviously a correlation between our strength and the word of God. Yeah. Therefore, there must be a correlation when we're weak and we're filing in adversity. We're not in the word of God. Amen. You say, "Well, that sounds pretty simple." It really is. No matter what adversity Noah may face, he can always remember God's promise. During this, these these decades of building the ark, he can remember God has said, "You will enter in. You will be spared. You and your family." Can you imagine just what that would do, knowing that your family would be spared? And and so this is a motivator uh, for Noah as well. And so God has given him this promise. And there were probably days of disappointment, don't you think? He was a man of like passions. There was probably some days of discouragement where he felt like, can I just have one day of not being ridiculed? Maybe just one day of not being made fun of because I'm doing what you've told me to do, Lord. Listen, we, we, we hit those points in life sometimes. And, and we understand that, but um, no doubt he had those as well. But so long as Noah held on to those promises of God, he could go another day. And then another. And then another. Amen. Amen. What the Bible say, it is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Sometimes it's just enough to light the next step. Amen. And you can't see where the other step's going to take you. You just know, I've got God's Word. I've got a lamp unto my feet. And I can see where the next foot needs to land. But I can't see beyond that. And God says, it's okay. I got you. You just keep heading where I tell you to go. You keep getting a hold of My Word. And you keep doing what I've told you and you're going to be just fine. And, and so it is with us. We can pretend we're spiritual giants all we want. Brother DeGarmo, or excuse me, Pastor DeGarmo said it well this morning in Sunday school. And he was talking about how we're really nothing. That's what the Bible said over there in Galatians 6 if you were in here for Sunday school. And, and so we, we can pretend that we're spiritual giants all we want, but we all have days when we want to throw in the towel. Amen. You can try to tell me you don't, but you do. We get discouraged. Listen, there's times we, don't, we aren't real sure what God is up to in our lives. This is why we need the promises of God at the ready. Remember Brother Muller saying before to our young people, you know where you stand before you're tempted. So that when the temptation comes, you know the way of escape. But how do you do that? You get in the Word of God. And so if we have God's word in our hearts and in our minds, then we can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. So moving on in our text here, I'm going to say verses 19 through 21 for next time when we get to chapter 7 because there's some similar verbiage, uh, verbiage there. But I want to go ahead and look at verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. I want you to see this morning that Noah didn't try to take shortcuts. Everybody got that? Yeah. Noah didn't try to find an, another way. Noah didn't decide, you know, Lord, I think 300 cubits is too long. I, I just don't think that's how you'd have me to build this thing. And, and 50 cubits, you know, that's too narrow. Uh, he didn't settle for two levels inside the ark instead of three. He didn't put in multiple doors. He didn't pitch it without and say, it's going to be okay, I don't need to pitch it within. He didn't keep out some of the animals like cats. Amen. (laughs) He did all that God commanded him. All while living in a violent and corrupt world. Remember in 2 Peter 2.5, Noah is called a preacher of righteousness. Despite his surroundings, listen to me, Noah did not change the message. Noah did not change the mission. He was a preacher of righteousness for at least 120 years. And during that time, he saw no converts. Come on now, can you imagine how that would be reported in today's churches? How long have you been in that church plan? 120 years? How many converts you got? None. Well, we're not going to support you any longer. That's how a lot of churches roll. And, and so here's a man. He's a preacher of righteousness. He's faithful. He sees no converts except his own family, but he remains faithful. He didn't water down the message. He, he didn't make it more palatable to the lust. He, he didn't change the message in an effort to be more relatable to the wicked. He, he didn't change the message to get more converts nor did he change the mission and hope that people would be a little more understanding. But by and large, churches have bought into the idea that the measure of spiritual success of a church is only found in numerical growth. And while I believe a healthy organism will grow, it isn't always manifested through numbers. Now, I'm not against numbers. There's a whole book in the Bible called that. (laughs) Amen. But listen, our, our, our spiritual growth isn't always measured by numbers increasing. It may be spiritual growth within the members existing. That we're being grown so that we can endure whatever God has coming down the line. That we can be ready. That we're growing. My point is, I'm not going to look at Noah and conclude that he's a failure. Listen, Jesus had 12 and one of them was a devil. But so many times we look at other situations, other churches, other people, and and we say, well, that's that's a failure. Be careful. Be careful. Uh, How many missionaries' uh, accounts do we know of where somebody was kind of a groundbreaker into that country? And in their lifetime, they saw nothing. But just as soon as God brought them home and more people came to that field, all of a sudden revival broke out. So don't look at somebody, don't look at a missionary, don't look at a church planner, and don't, don't conclude, well, they're not successful because they're eight years in and they've only got ten people. Maybe they're in the middle of Mormon country. Yeah, 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 yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so we've got to be careful about that thing. And here's Noah. I'm not going to say that he's a failure. All we can do is plant and water anyhow. God is the one who brings the increase. And we know Noah wasn't a failure in God's eye because of verse 9 in our, in our chapter here. He was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Ezekiel 14 speaks of the righteousness of Noah. When all is said and done, get this now, when all is said and done in our life, we are not looking for our Lord to say, well done, thou good and successful servant. But we are looking for our Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He takes care of the the so-called success. He's the one that brings the harvest. And so all we're called to do is to be faithful. Our Lord is going to measure our success by whether or not we're faithful to Him. And I I just want to say, especially as a pastor right here, what a comfort to know that the results are not up to me. They're not up to us. We don't get to control who gets saved and who doesn't. We can have an influence, I believe, but ultimately it is the Holy Spirit that saves. Amen. It's God who saves. And and so we, we don't control all of that And and I'm glad to know that I I don't have to worry about that. Listen, it is God's word. It is God's salvation. This is God's church. And therefore, he'll he'll take care of the results. Amen? Um, He'll do it as he sees fit. What do we have to do? We need to do all that he commanded. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. That's what we ought to be doing. And then even if the results dry up, somebody say amen right there at least made me feel pretty good about myself, amen, uh, even if the results dry up, even if we get to the point where you say, where is everybody going? How come the church isn't growing anymore? How come you know we don't even need a new building or something of that nature? And then we just say, look, it doesn't matter. I'm staying faithful to the message. I'm staying faithful to the mission. And God can do as He sees fit. And I'm not going to look at another church and say, I know what your problem is. But we are blessed indeed, amen we don't need to come up with shortcuts we don't need to come up with shortcuts to impress the world in order that we might manufacture results that we deem as success thus did Noah according to uh that God commanded him so did he imagine uh, imagine what Noah's dealing with just picture people coming by hey Noah what a waste of resources what a waste of time. What are you doing? And, and on and on we could go. People coming by and just talking to Noah. Noah, that's a ridiculous message. The righteousness of God. What are you talking about? But Noah stayed faithful even with no visible results. People today look at Christians and Christianity no different than how they would have looked at Noah in his day. What a waste to give your money to church. Why are you giving money to that place? You know the pastor just wants to drive a Jaguar. Newsflash, I do, 1977, preferably a J6. But anyway, my wife wouldn't let me buy the one I saw, and I still ridicule her to this day because that was my car. Um, Anyway, but then I didn't want people saying, oh, we must pay you. uh, um, All right, let me take a drink of water. It's getting tense up in here. Why are you giving money to God? You haven't even seen God. Churches are corrupt. What are you doing? Why are you reading that old book? It's just written by men. Come on man, you've heard the ridicule. Why are you wasting time going to church? We could be playing fuff. It's Frisbee golf if you don't know what that is. But really. I've never played in my life. I don't even know why it popped in my head. (laughs) Why are you wasting your time at church? Hey, what a ridiculous message that that church is preaching. What an absurd mission that Liberty Baptist Tabernacle is doing down there. We just need to stay faithful. Keep doing according to all that God has commanded us, so do we. And that's all that matters is what God thinks. Listen, I don't care if the world thinks we're crazy. I've gotten enough of that during my military career. I know they think we're crazy. Amen. I don't mind. We keep one eye towards towards our heavenly home at all times. And if they refuse the message, we just keep giving the message. Not ugly, not rude, but we give it with grace, seasoned with salt, with love in our hearts. We, We keep giving the message. We want to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now that's a corporate application but from verse 22 can this be said of you individually? Thus did, and put your name right there instead of Noah. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him so did he. Has God called you to do something? I know he has. You may not realize it yet. But he has. He's called all of us to do something but maybe he's he's revealed that to you personally in a more uh, open way that's maybe like in my case god called me to pastor you think that was my first choice no way but that's what god called me to do and so when you get that calling you say okay god i'm going to obey you according to all that you've commanded me and, and i don't know what god's called you to do it doesn't have to be quote unquote full-time ministry But but God calls you to do things. And I wonder if this verse can be said of you today. Can you say of yourself, yes, I'm obeying God according to all that he's commanded me so that I'm, I'm doing it. Did you follow through exactly as God directed you? Or did you try to take shortcuts? I wish this could be said of me when my time to go home arrives. Verse 22 would be really good for a tombstone. Now what I've observed is people like to take shortcuts. Amen, guys. If we can beat the little thing on our GPS, we're going to find a way. Now I'm not necessarily that guy. I'll take the long way just to avoid stop signs. I just hate stopping. Amen. Like if they ever put up a a red light out in Box Elder where we're at, I'm going to drive all the way to New Underwood and circle back (laughs) just to avoid the, the red light. That's just me. But. I've observed many people try to take shortcuts and they try to cut corners with God's requirements, but they still expect God's blessing to be upon them. For example, you can't just have church. Amen? What are you talking about, preacher? You can't just have church and leave off your Bible and your prayer and your giving and your witnessing. And so people try to take shortcuts. Well, I tried church, But God did not show Himself strong on my behalf. Well, it's great that you came to church on Sunday morning, but what did you do Monday through Saturday? Coming to church but neglecting God all the other days is attempted shortcuts. Somebody help me preach. Listen, well, I read my Bible pretty good for about two weeks. Some of you are a little bit better. I did pretty good until I got to Leviticus. Well, I gave it a couple of months and I prayed that one time for a few minutes. Stop trying to take shortcuts. Amen. People read things in the Bible or they hear things preached and they think, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good idea. Maybe I'll try that sometime. Forgive those who sinned against you. Yeah, maybe I'll get around to that sometime. That sounds pretty good. Love your enemies. Yeah, that sounds like that might be a good thing. But God, church, and the Christian life are not free trial offers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not where we try it for a time and we see if we like this particular plan, and if we don't, we go over to team over. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, God isn't like trying to save 15% on your car insurance. That's right. yeah. But that's what people want. Yeah. I want to make a quick phone call, and I want to save this, and I want this to happen, and yet God is neglected in everything else. Yeah. You're taking shortcuts. Yeah. There are some people, they, they feel like they gave God a good shot, and it just didn't work out. And so it may be that some need to stop playing games, and you need to get serious about your walk with God. Amen. Amen. Listen, God is to be your life. Amen. Right. Not just your Sunday morning, God. Right. Not just your Sunday morning, God, because you need something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but listen, God, you're to be sold out to Him, yeah. completely obeying His commandments. We've got to be all in for God. You don't get to pick and choose which areas you want to obey and which ones you don't. Yeah. And then expect the blessings. Is everybody, everybody okay this morning? Yeah. Yeah. It's time to get serious. Yeah. You go to God in prayer. You read your Bible daily until you've heard from Him. Yeah. 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 Until you've heard from Him. You stay faithful to all church services. Yeah. I know people have to work and people get sick and all that, but you stay faithful to church services. Yeah. Listen, you keep witnessing others and you give them to the Lord, not to see if God comes through for you, yeah, well, but because God is worthy of your life and your worship and your adoration, because He is worthy. Amen. Finally today, I want you to consider the impact of Noah's obedience to God. Noah obeyed completely and thank God he did. Amen. None of us would be here this morning if he hadn't. We're here today because of God's grace and Noah's obedience. We have a chance to walk with God because Noah walked with God. We have the opportunity to know the Christ who died for us and to be with God for all eternity because of one man's obedience. Isn't that something? And we can turn that around and talk about our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His obedience, we have a chance for salvation. You say, where are you going with this? I wonder how many of you have ever considered the impact you're having on the next generation. Amen. There are people coming after you. We can't save anyone, but we can impact them. Amen. So how's your life impacting the next generation? There were seven other souls on that ark because one man dared to walk with God in an evil world. Amen. Hebrews 11:7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Hey dads, are you obeying God? Are you preparing an ark to the saving of your house? Moms, are you obeying God? Are you helping to point your children to God? Don't ever underestimate the impact of your obedience to God. I understand a child has to make their own decision amen we had four teenagers at one time in the house i get it but listen while that child i know they have to decide to buy the truth or not surely you cannot disagree with me that our obedience will only help to give our children an advantage of coming to know christ paul said of israel you know what advantage do they have much in every way Chiefly and that was committed unto them the oracles of God. They had the word of God. They had every advantage, and that's what we ought to do for our children in the next generation. Don't forget that God's flood in Noah's day all started when there was a breakdown in the home. Amen. Don't settle for mediocre Christianity any longer. Amen. Sell out for Christ. Do all that you can to prepare an ark for you and your family. Don't cut corners. Don't take shortcuts. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Let's pray.